This is not a podcast about facts and evidence. This is a podcast about how we think things are going down in reality, which at that point, we can just make shit up. <laughs> which case, isn't it all just real fake facts? <laughs> Speaking of which, I, I remember I, I thought of one and I completely spaced on what I was going to like what it was. I forgot to write it down. I just completely spaced on the fact like, hey, I should write this down when I have these brilliant flashes of intelligence. And uh, I just didn't do it. Way to go, me. Uh, I was I was thinking more in the lines of uh, uh, psych jokes earlier today. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking there's thinking to myself like, you know, that uh, that movie about uh, Joe Frazier's youth, you know, Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> <laughs> It's not about Joe Frazier, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) In between the lines, there's a lot of obscurity. I'm not inclined to resign to maturity. If it's all right, then you're all wrong. Why bounce around the same damn song? You'd rather run when you can't crawl. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Mario and Miles. And uh, listeners, this morning we've been uh, like we've been talking about mic issues and how we sound like idiots and uh, how we sound to ourselves versus how we sound through microphones and everything like that. And uh, I just gotta set you up for disappointment. I mess around with the audio levels a lot when you guys hear us, so in reality, I sound like a squeaky mouse. <laughs> He's an alto. <laughs> yeah. I do not have this beautiful sounding voice for radio that you all think I do. And by you all, hi, Steve. <laughs> yeah, listeners, we don't know. We actually don't know. Uh, the tracking software that's used for our tra- for our podcast doesn't really tell us how many listeners we actually have, how many people are actually subscribed. Which is funny because we could probably get that as those analytics, but we'd probably have to pay for it. But the analytics that we do get just says how many downloads we've had, which is really just how many unique impressions we've had. So that could easily be like half of it could easily be us if we've left our house and have to stream it from our phones. So that's like a new impression. So I said, I'm like, well, like maybe we have like maybe we have like 10 listeners. I don't know. Um, on average per week, we have like 50 something downloads, but. Uh, which isn't a lot, which is is obviously not a lot, Uh, which is funny because I think at this point now we actually are, we have more subscribe. We have more listeners right now than IGN does on most of their podcasts, (laughs) Uh, which is a drastic difference compared to the way IGN's podcast used to be, Um, which they used to have shit tons of listeners. And then everybody who was cool and actually did their job at IGN left and all those idiots came in and, you know, were afraid of uh, of Call of Duty and the threat that it posed to their to their feelings and their sensitivities. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember that that uh, that uh, conference and watching mm-hmm. it. And 
when it got to uh, that one guy. I, I I don't know his fucking name. Uh, that he was like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like the 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 one non snowflake that was there. Well, right, because he was standing there with Ryan McCaffrey, and Ryan McCaffrey, I was afraid was going to go the full. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because he tends like, well, he tends to agree with the crowd. I t- I tend to have at least a little bit of respect for him. Yeah, and uh, I thought he was going to go that direction, the full snowflake route. And I was like, oh no. And he 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 still stayed relatively neutral. I was like, okay, I, I can live with that. But yeah, I was like, man, I was he, like, you he guys created, need to calm the fuck down. Yeah, he, <laughs> he tried to stay in the happy middle ground of like, well, I can see where people would be upset about this stuff, and I can see where people yeah. would be really excited for it. And I'm looking well, forward to it. I was like, all right, well, uh, but that that reaction video, that was the moment I was like, yep, IGN is not a site for me. I can't, I can't well, do this anymore. Yeah. The best comparison for all that was them. Uh, and this was viewers pointing this out was uh, comparing their reaction to this versus just mowing people down to GTA and like, Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And like that's, that's legitimate senseless violence yeah. versus this is a military operation. Yeah. We're <laughs> uh, in the fucking call of duty reaction was hysterical to watch them just freaking baby up. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe it. Something wasn't right. It wasn't right watching them go through this home and watching them go through a, it's just a residence. All homes are residents. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I'm like, what kind of, what kind of people are coming up in the world and are this sensitive to shit? Like what the hell's going on? The way I kind of I, I, I kind of made this observation uh, not that long ago, and it was around this time that this had come out, <clears throat> was that in all reality, we've kind of come full circle when it comes to video games and violence because, yeah, you know, years and years and years ago in our childhood, we got the same, you know, kind of kickback with like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You know, because at the time it was one of the most visceral, you know, experiences that you could have as far as you know uh blood and gore goes yeah and eventually that kind of died out i mean you still got people that say oh video games promote violence and they're fucking uneducated yeah but uh you know i think it's kind of come full circle we just we're experiencing the second round of that so to speak it's just coming right back around to oh this is the new, you know, level of where Mortal Kombat was. Yeah, I can, I, I, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Um, but I've watched Saving Private Ryan a dozen times, and I didn't come out of it with PTSD. No, but there, there are people that make the uh, the argument about it being participatory, you know, interactive um, mm-hmm. with video games versus movies, and I, I can, I can lend some credence to those arguments. Like, yeah, I get your point, you know, but it's still a personal mental factor whether or not you're able to handle you know, that yeah you're <laughs> able to uh make that division between fantasy and reality yeah that's why some people shouldn't be exposed to that kind of stuff and that's why there's you know parental ratings and whatnot and that's why half of ign's editorial staff sits there and goes it was too much or yeah. makes this makes the statement of the the greatest statement the entire fucking time greatest statement that i laughed at the hardest was if they had made a non-lethal mode, I'd totally be down for that. A non-lethal mode for Call of Duty. Yeah, it's, 
modern terrorists. warfare <laughs> against terrorists. Non-lethal. Yeah. These are the same people who believe that listeners, I want to point out, these are the same people who probably believe that when we go to war, there should be no such thing as collateral damage. All right. This is, and I have to blame like modern technology for this of like when we started creating smart bombs and stuff like that, if the smart, if the smart bomb had never been created, the realities of war would be far more understandable today by the public than they ever have been. And bloodier. And that's the reason why is because wars would be far more, far more bloody. There would be far more casualties due to civilians being caught up in, in, in the crossfire. And when smart bombs were created, you know, that kind of, that, that idea of a uh, weapon being able to minimize the amount of collateral damage doesn't, doesn't remove it. Listeners, it, it minimizes it brought about this whole idea and philosophy of there should be there should never be any civilian casualties and that's just not a reality of war ideally yeah 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 but not ideally absolutely (laughs) but that's not a reality of war and i'm not telling you you should accept it always and that you should be promoting or anything like that but i am pointing out the fact that this is what's brought about this ridiculous sensitivity of we should have non-lethal forms of of being able to stop stop everything and that's just not a reality that that's just that's not how the real world works. Yeah, it goes up there with the arguments like, oh, cops should be only able to shoot to uh, disable mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. If your life's in danger, you put down that threat as easily as you possibly can. The, the shoot to <laughs> maim, the shoot to maim is uh, myth is ridiculous. Listeners, if you don't know this and I and I know this because I lived with a police officer. There is this myth that police should only shoot to maim and shoot to disarm, and that's not true. Uh, police are taught just like, just like the the military, just like you know, uh, uh, SWAT, FBI. They're all taught you shoot to kill. If you if you pull your firearm, you are pulling your firearm with the intent of having to kill this person. And that's that's what you go for. And the reason why they do that is because when you try to aim for specific body parts that are just to maim, there is a strong likelihood that you will miss, which is why they go for the kill shot. Center miss. <laughs> now, listeners, I, I, I want to point out we're not advocating for any kind of authority oversteps their bounds and says, you know, oh, I feared for my life when that wasn't the case. Or anything like that. We're not trying to start a, a, a debate on, on any of that. We're just explaining to you like that's there's a serious myth to how law enforcement works. And the reason why they carry guns is because of is because of the imminent threat to life. So when they pull a taser, that is the non-lethal option. So think about that for a second when it goes when it translates over to terrorists. When you're thinking of terrorists who their intent is solely to kill people. That's their whole credo. We're going to kill people. Do you think that there is a logical point of we use non-lethality to take these people out? I still don't understand why we use non-lethality to take out, you know, serial killers. And we just uh, put them no. in jail. You, you and I are <laughs> in the mindset of, of much harsher punishments for a lot of that kind of shit. It, you, no, no system's ever going to be perfect. Nope. It's never going to happen. So maybe if we have precog like minority <laughs> report, but even that was shown in the movie to be fair to, to be able to be falsified. So I don't know. Um, right. I do love that movie. I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why 
Uh, reminds me of there's a novel called 1984. To be honest, listeners, I've never fully read it. I've, I've always read synapses of it, but the, I like the idea behind it. And in it, the people can be arrested over their thoughts. Yeah. It's got that same kind of idea of, you know, if, if it never happened or if it was just, you know, something they thought about and it doesn't occur or, or anything like that, can you still arrest them? It wasn't them? really a crime. Yeah. yeah. Was there was there no, you know, if a no crime occurred did, and you even if you stopped it, did, can you still arrest the person? So uh, it's very interesting. So uh, and I know right now somebody who's listening to this is like, well, the same thing goes for terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> they never blew up the building. We stopped them beforehand. So can you arrest them? Well, there's a difference between intent. That's why we have those law, those right. other laws in place. <laughs> yeah, we're thinking about it and mm-hmm. doing it and orchestrating yeah. to do so. Yeah, I know. I've I've <laughs> thought I've thought some terrible thoughts. Thankfully, I've never acted on them because I have enough common sense and enough morality not to. But there are people out there that don't. Speaking of other things in gaming culture, so people have known about Crunch for at least the last decade, at least. And if you're as old as we are, you've known about Crunch even longer. Crunch isn't something that's new, but the practices of Crunch on and the extent to which some companies have gone and how other their their employees have been made to feel from like the basically the stress that they get put under from Crunch has come more to light. And a lot of a lot more of the public and a lot more gamers are being made aware of the uh, basically the neg- like the, the negativity that surrounds uh, what happens when games go into crunch time. And one of the companies that was really kind of laid, you know, laid to bear recently for it was, well, I guess recently within the last year was Rockstar. It was made pretty evident that Rockstar's crunch time and even with dealing with their DLC for Grand Theft Auto and creating Red Dead Redemption, the amount of crunch time that they were under was actually pretty tremendous. And a lot of the time the developers said that they were in crunch time in shifts between departments for over a year between creating content for GTA and uh, red dead. And uh, that's intense. And that's, that's a lot to deal with. And I'm sure a lot of people lost their hair over it literally, and probably ended up you know, either losing their love for the industry and leaving or, you know, needed absolutely a mental health days to, to recover from shit like that. So, yeah. Even if you love your job, that's, that's taxing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so rockstar had made the announcement that like that they have been making efforts to try and completely change how they've, how they approach video games now and how they approach crunch or anything like that. It's refreshing to hear listeners, but at the same time, the only the, the the only area I could see them actually experiencing crunch right now or anything like that or, or or anything to the possibility of going into crunch would be with content from uh Red Dead Redemption online because that's basically their main focus now. Just like GTA Online became their main focus after GTA uh 5's uh release. And uh, yeah, I mean, Rockstar isn't the kind that has a lot of irons in the fire. They kind of focus on one thing yeah, at a time. Exactly. That's really evident listeners. If you look at the fact that they had, they had to have two teams working on GTA and, and Red, Dead, Red Dead Redemption, right? 
So now they have two teams working on working on two different games, and that's true even today because they've made the announcement recently that they're going to that they are working on GTA Six. They're in very early development, and we'll get into a little bit of the details that were shared by Jason Schreier a little bit later. But sticking with the crunch stuff, like the things that they're dealing with right now, really the team that's dealing with crunch would only be working on Red Dead Redemption online content. Keeping that in mind, they're at a position where, yes, they can change the culture and they're probably in a better position of being able to do that. Whether or not that actually gets implemented will be another thing. It's one thing to talk about it and say that you're taking efforts to try and fix this. Basically, you're trying to try and fix the culture within your own studio. And it's another thing to actually see if it works or if they actually implement it. Especially when you're this early on in your development cycle. Yeah. Uh, it's real easy to make those hollow promises and, and statements. Yeah. Uh, when you don't really have anything that's going to be under crunch within probably the next two, three years. Yeah. And like I said, the only thing that's actually <laughs> going to be in crunch will be any, any online content for uh, red dead redemption online. And given the fact that it's red dead redemption online, that's something where within their studio, they can say, okay, we're going to try and eliminate crunch with this project and just stretch it out a little bit longer. And people just have, people will just have to wait for content a little bit longer. That's not as big of a deal within a studio when it comes to online content listeners, especially for yeah, a game you like can that. Kind of trickle that stuff and be fine. Exactly. And that's what I'm getting at is the fact that like that, that's where, that's where the crunch can be absolutely mitigated and they can, they can really implement whatever their new systems are. The true test won't come, listeners, until GTA 6 is in full swing and they are getting really, really close to launch. That's when we'll know and we'll be able to hear whether or not, did you guys actually fix this? Did you come up with a system that works for this game? And if anybody can do it, I like I have to say, if anybody can do it, it'd probably be Rockstar. And I say that just because of the amount of money that Rock that, that Rockstar made off of GTA 5 alone. Um. GTA five has made them so much ridiculous amounts of money that they have uh, essentially the equity to kind of put their money where their mouth is and say, we're going to try and help these, the, our developers out, our teams out and make sure that they're not having to stay there overnight. They're not having to stay in the closet and sleep, you know, with the janitor and actually can get shit done Platonically, in the time that they course. need to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're sleeping with the mops between them. They're fine. <laughs> a lot of people are giving, you know, Rockstar this applause for, hey, you're trying to change something. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve any kind of recognition for it. I think that people are kind of blowing it a little bit out of proportion because you have nothing to, to back it up with yet. Yeah. It's the same thing as like if a politician says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And everybody applauds. And then the politician comes down to it and they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> They're campaign promises. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, that's exactly what it is. So, you, you know, listeners, try and take that with a grain of salt. Don't don't just take it for their word and find Wait, we're going to have to wait and find out what happens. See if these things actually get fixed. See if these things actually get better. And we'll go from there. Meanwhile, in other Rockstar news, GTA 6 is in production. They're working on it right now. And Jason Schreier decided that because of all the ludicrous rumors and stuff, which is why we stopped talking about it on our podcast, listeners, because... The rumors and the amount of bullshit that was coming out of especially some like certain YouTubers on GTA six was just insane and was perpetuating like nothing but complete bullshit because Rockstar wasn't even really working on it. So Jason Schreier 
one of the few investigative reporters in gaming decided he would actually take it upon himself to try and figure out what the hell's going on. We, we highly recommend you go and read his article on it, but uh, he basically can say that it's in, it's in production and based off of the information that he's gathered, it sounds like the release window for it is going to be slightly different than what, when I say release window, uh, when things drop like content wise, it sounds like it's going to be separated and there's no real way to, uh, explain it properly because we don't know exactly what their plans are because this could mean episodic content. This could mean a lot of uh, little DLCs coming out. This could also mean that they're going to be just doing GTA online from now on and we'll get a GTA online too, instead of what we had. And it'll just be different locations and it'll drop content the same way that GTA online has, which is, you know, where there's a little bit of a story a tiny morsel of story and then all this online stuff that you have to do. So yes. with heists and things like that. And that's where it is that we, we don't have anything directly telling us, is it going to be a single player experience? Is it going to be GTA online only? Is it going to be both again? Is it going to be, you know, where we get uh, almost like uh DLC content drops, like where we had uh, the new nightmare with uh, it's new nightmare, right? Red Dead Red Redemption. Dead? Yeah. Uh, Undead Nightmare. Undead Nightmare. Thank you. Uh, like something's not, that's, that's not new nightmares. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, they're, they doing a, a Freddy Krueger thing. Yeah, DLC. I was like, cool. that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> no, uh, so they're doing, uh, you know, we had the undead nightmare and that was a D that was a really cool DLC drop. That was a great story. Oh yeah. So some people were speculating like this could mean that we get a lot of just a little, little DLCs. And you get that placed around the area that they, you know, the area they, that they make. Listeners, you could also see some kind of weird hybrid where they create a GTA Online first, which would be really strange because that'd be the first time. But uh, you, you could see a GTA Online first and then seeing single player campaign kind of DLC drop within the GTA Online universe that they create. Never know uh, at this point. So... There's not a whole lot, like even in the article, there's not a whole lot to explain what's going on or, or where they're at in the game, but they are in early production. They're making the game and they've, they've, there's been hints towards modular, I should say modular, uh, release for the game. So we'll see what that has, you know, what, what that ends up being personally, I would prefer the current model. I, I enjoy having a single player experience fully fleshed out and then seeing the GTA online later, but I'm not a GTA online player listeners. And I probably at this point, given how much the GTA online community has grown, I'm probably at this point, the minority. Right. And the rest, the rest of us who love just playing the GTA story, we're probably in the minority as well. And, uh, that's kind of weird to think about, but it's kind of the same issue that uh, it's this, this is really kind of a strange thing. Cause I don't, I don't want to make a direct comparison to it because it's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of where fans who played uh call of duty and enjoyed the call of duty story. So for so long, like I loved call of duty games. I loved, you know, ever since the first call of duty, I've loved playing through campaigns and I've always enjoyed just the stories that they had to tell especially with the originals, because those, those were actually, uh, historically, uh, uh, based 
So like they were actually based on real missions, real things that happened and, and had real, you know, ended up including real people. But as things changed, we eventually ended up with modern warfare. Modern warfare was fantastic campaign. I love that. And that's where things shifted more to the multiplayer. Like it always had multiplayer before and it was always fun, uh, but it was never to that extent. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare really brought about this, oh shit, we have a lot of people playing online. And suddenly you started seeing this more shift of catering towards more of the multiplayer slowly with each new iteration of that series. I'm kind of wondering if that's what's going to end up happening with GTA now. I'm wondering if GTA, after the massive success of GTA Online, if GTA is going to have that slow shift or even just a, a, a faster shift after GTA and Red Dead Redemption. If Red Dead Redemption Online does well, we could see a faster shift of they're going to cater towards the GTA Online community first and then I, give us and then and then and then have a small focus on the single player aspect. I honestly think that's that's the the route they're probably going to wind up going. I think they're probably just going to leave single player kind of by the wayside and yeah. just going to focus on it being an online game uh which is sad uh to a degree because you know GTA tends to have some pretty cool stories. Um yeah. I enjoyed Vice City, I I even enjoyed 4 and 5 was great. But with the shift that we've seen in the gaming industry period, you know, we had this big push for all multiplayer all the time and it drived us absolutely batty. And yeah, that's why it was such a breath of fresh air when you would hear from game companies like, no, 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 this is going to be a single player experience, you know, and complete and stuff like that. And that's fucking fantastic. feels great. Yeah. I mean, we were surprised as hell. I listeners, I was surprised as hell by, you know, Jedi Fall or Jedi Fallen Order. Oh yeah, that Jedi Fallen Order. I was even yeah. surprised, listeners, in the fact that I, I I was happy to be wrong, and I and I'm going to point this yeah. out again on the on our on our podcast in case anybody missed it before. I was happy to be wrong in the fact that they didn't try to monetize the shit out of lightsabers and shit like that. Something that they easily could have done, easily could have done. Don't get me wrong. I think that the right. ad, the added ten dollar adding asking for the extra ten dollars for uh the deluxe edition i think that was bullshit <laughs> i still think that was bullshit i think that was a monetization practice from ea oh, but yeah. that aside i will put that aside and say i was surprised as hell by the fact that they didn't try to over monetize anything else in that game to to the extent that they could have and to the extent that they've done in other of uh ea's series that they've that they've worked on so that was a huge, huge surprise. And that's why what Miles is getting at is the fact that we are so relieved when we hear that stuff. And that's sad. It's really sad when we have to have announcements from developers and from game makers that we sit there, that they sit there and they say, oh, and there's no, there's no monetization. There's no microtransactions. This is a complete story, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Shouldn't all your games be this way? <laughs> yeah. And, and to circle back to it, like I... It's not a good correlation because it's two completely different companies. Yeah. Um, and kind of a completely different approach. Uh, but Fallout 76 is kind of doing that in reverse. Yeah. Um, you know, it came out as a multiplayer experience uh, and a broken one yeah. severely, <laughs> but uh, a, a multiplayer experience nonetheless online all the time yeah. and still is uh, online all the time. But 
now we're getting the NPCs and quest lines, which in all reality we found out is basically solo, uh, just with added help. I could see Rockstar kind of doing the same thing with GTA, the next GTA. Yeah, absolutely. I could see them just release the the multiplayer and then kind of put in little single player segments. Yeah, absolutely. The The thing is, is that the, since they've had GTA and now they've had Red Dead, they can make that jump a little more smoothly. Whereas Fallout 70, you know, with Fallout 76, we had this, well, we've only made single player experiences and we've had one multiplayer, uh, massive multiplayer online. And that was Elder Scrolls. And that was actually made by a different company, but still. Yeah, it's still still from your brand name. And it's still, you know, promoting a similar world that you've had before. And you, you jump directly into into uh, MMO territory. Yeah. Really mixed reception. <laughs> yeah, really mixed. <laughs> Not reception. for the better. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what Bethesda has been hearing on the news on that, but uh, Elder Scrolls Online was not a huge success. No, don't worry, on listeners. It, I done, I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for yeah. what it was, but I used to play the shit out of World of Warcraft and yeah. cut that umbilical cord a long time ago. Yeah, uh, but I never actually owned the game I, I only had it on lend and so that made a major factor in whether right. i played it or not yeah so uh listeners i, I want to point out like it, it wasn't a huge success it was it, it hasn't done terribly compared to some other games but it did take a while for that game to, to launch and find its own and bethesda knows that so going forward they decided to say hey you know what we want to have a a fallout online. And when you first hear that as a, as a fallout fan, your thought process immediately goes to, Oh, they're finally going to give us co-op, which is what everyone asked for. Every fallout fan was sitting there going, this would be really cool. If I could play fallout four, just fallout four with my friend as my companion, instead of having a companion walking around with me, because you technically already do that. Yeah. You're technically already playing co-op because you have companions, right? Yeah, they're just possibly dumb AI controls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, so the so the and, and you you know you could have another human being with you, and they could be just as dumb. I don't know. It depends on how good of a gamer they are. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but with that, listeners, that logic that logical step for fans went from oh well, if my companion could just be my actual buddy. Then we could just somebody could firebomb you when you're when you're looking in your stash. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was my fault. Um, but you could have, you know, you could have that that experience, that same experience, that same fallout experience of going through stories, experiencing them together, and you just having a, a real life companion with you to experience that story with you. And that's really where things we thought things were gonna go. And then Fallout 76 debuted and they were focused more on it's more multiplayer and player versus player uh with the you know with pve in there but their main focus was wanting to make player versus player and bethesda should have known better before that to be fair when they first announced it and they were first unveiling it it was focused on pve the pvp was stuck in there and they were like well here's the safeguards but this, against no, PvP. That's what that's what I want to point out though. Like when they first started when we first started hearing about it, people were sitting there mm-hmm. going, and they were and a lot of people were voicing their opinions, and this was before it debuted. People right. were voicing their opinions of if you're creating a multiplayer, then I don't want to like I don't want to have it all be griefers, griefers yeah. and I don't want to have uh uh battle royale. 
tons of people were voicing that even before they announced it. They were just yeah. because, and that was just based off of rumors of Fallout 70 or for Fallout before Fallout 76. And then they showed off Fallout 76. So Bethesda knew going into this, listeners, that they that they should not focus on multiplayer. But while you said that yes, they had they had primarily a focus on PVE, I don't think that was originally their intent. I think originally their intent Oh, you was, could be right, yeah. was to have I think their original intent was to have the multiplayer because they are, they were oh. already working on before they even showed it they they already had a team working on Battle Royale. So Yeah, that whole Ring of Fire yep. uh mode. Yeah. Yeah, so there was there was no like I don't think they had this intent of it's primarily PVE. I think they had this whole thing of it's PVE elements with mostly a PVP aspect. And it and it was because of the amount of outcry, they're like, oh, well, you know, by the way, you can turn these off. There's safeguards against it. And we're work. And they were they were telling people after even after showing off the presentation, they were telling interviewers, we're working on ways to try and mitigate griefing, to try and mitigate the amount of PVP content, because there, we, we heard a lot of the fans were really upset about that. And we're going to try and make sure that we mitigate that as much as possible. And while that was smart, they completely sidestepped the fact that what everyone was asking for from previous fallouts was just to have a companion, a real life person with them just to have co-op. Right. And fallout 76 came about, or the, the idea of fallout 76 came about from just an, a, a side project that they were sitting there working on saying we could actually create multiplayer with this and have, and let players play against other players and that's literally where they're at when i was watching the old interviews and i was re-watching the uh the making of uh documentary that they did a long time ago and it was uh it was the one that was released uh just after the announcement they talk yeah. about the fact that when they were working with the creation engine in fallout 4 and they found out that multiplayer doesn't work with creation engine and they'd have to quote unquote rebuild it which isn't really yeah. what happened uh it's more of just reworking it slightly so it could do it but uh, when they were talking about it, they were talking about the fact that, like, you know, having players play against other players and they wanted to introduce a multiplayer to Fallout 4. But it wasn't going to be where you played campaigns. They were going to have PvE in there, but it was mostly PvP oriented. Right. So I sat there and, and rewatched that and I was like, so they like they planned primarily for just a PvP experience to begin to begin with. Fast forward to today, Fallout 76 Wastelanders was not intended originally to ever happen. They kind of decided we need to do this in order to make sure that fans who are pissed off about the PvP and the PV or the just the multiplayer aspect of Fallout 76 and there not being any NPCs, not being anyone interacted with, with, and the fact that because of that it feels empty. Yeah. Aside from uh, what two two robots and the occasional traitor. Yeah. <laughs> in which case the the traitors were robots or were uh, Graham. Graham. Yeah. They approached it from the the aspect of we want to make a PvP, but instead of thinking about it, like the like you said, they're, they're, they had to kind of reverse the way they were doing that of like, oh, shit, we shouldn't have just focused on the PvP. We were supposed we should have had this in there, whereas, you know, MMOs have to focus on they have to have story built up in order for people to engage. Right. And in this instance, they had no story built. Up. They Well, I shouldn't say no story. Very little story listeners. Very little story built up. A lot of cool uh, interactions and just chance events that took place in the game, but nothing oh, yeah. that was random really, encounters. Like, yeah, random encounters. Nothing that really pushed a giant narrative. No, no, it was it was really just have have your fun. Yeah, you know? 
make your own story. Yeah. Hey, in some ways, uh, No Man's Sky kind of did the same thing, not not story wise per se, but they went back through and included a bunch of facets that should have been there in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not a good way to run your your project. Uh, you know, we we've seen that from this. We've seen that from No Man's Sky. We've seen it from uh, Anthem. You know, except Anthem hasn't actually done anything else yet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, with it's a bad business model. So I, 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 I would hope that Rockstar wouldn't go that direction, but I, I could easily see it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because listeners, we've been playing Fallout 76 Wastelanders. We've been playing it, so you don't have to. The Wastelanders content is supposed to introduce more story. It's supposed to have, you know, it has all the the NPCs put into it more random encounters with settlers and uh, raiders and stuff like that so that the world feels more lived in. And on top of that, giving you story. Now, here's the weird thing. Listeners, you you think about a multiplayer game and think about co-op. When you play co-op and you play multiplayer, even this is even true in, in Warframe. Sometimes Warframe has missions where you have to complete them alone. Yeah. And that's fine. But it But when you do those missions, it isolates you from anyone else in that world. So you go into a level... No one else can join you. Fallout 76 doesn't really work that way. And the problem is, is that they have areas where you're supposed to have conversations with NPCs to start a mission. And you go into there and you're supposed to be alone. Now, think about that. It's a multiplayer game. It started out as a multiplayer experience. And now they're going in and removing the multiplayer aspect for starting missions. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're essentially making it so that you, regardless if you're teamed up with your friends or not, you're essentially going to have to run said mission uh, x amount of times based on how many people are in your in your group, because only one person truly gets progress for it. Yep. At least at least at the initial start, we haven't delved really deep into it. No. But it's still weird that they don't have some sort of better tracking uh, that we've seen in other games. The thing that um, doesn't make sense is like, let's say you have, let's say you're a party leader miles. The, yeah. Like even when you go into an NPC conversation, we've seen other games be able to attend or to be able to do multiplayer uh, co-op like this, where you go in and you both have to talk to an NPC. There's even yeah. portions of Fallout 76 where you both can talk to the same NPC at the same time and have completely separate conversations. Yeah. So why are there certain missions set up? Like, for instance, the first mission with Duchess, yeah. where you have to go in and talk to her and and only one of us can talk to her. That doesn't make any sense. Like it should be it should allow both of us to have a separate conversation with her at the same time. The first instance, I get it where you have the the guy who's standing there holding up the bar. Yeah, I understand why that portion needed to be, you know, needed to be alone partially. Uh, But at the same time, you could have had that where both co-op, the full co-op team has to sit there and wait for the dialogue to finish before the others, the others can interact. Essentially creating the observation mode and allowing us to have still the dialogue choices between the two of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I get why. I think I get why they ran it the way they did. And it's just a heavy handed way of guarding your own solo experience, yeah. you know, for, for that exact reason. When you have dialogue trees would give you options that actually have some sort of um, uh, conflict, some sort of uh, uh, 
Consequence. That's the word I was looking for. Consequence. Yeah, but but we uh, all know. Like I, I'm really quick to interject where you, when you when you're saying that because I know where you're going with it is because if you have consequences that would that would actually mean something if you was playing like you know Mass Effect uh, and I'm talking about Mass Effect one and two. Right. This game doesn't really have consequences. There's no ramifications for really what you do. Not not on a grand scale. Ends, no. Yeah. Everything ends up in the same position and even in the small choices for Fallout. Like this is this was even pretty much true for Fallout uh, Four. Of even your small choices come to the same, practically come to the same conclusion. Uh, I, I I don't disagree, uh, but I, I I will make the point that a lot of people that play RPGs, including yeah. myself, uh, when you're when you're playing a character, you you like playing from that point of view, and you don't want to stray from that path. Typically, like if you want to play as an evil bastard, you know that's how you're going to go and play. Right? Yeah, but. Again, if you're playing, that's if you're playing a single player. But when you've already established a multiplayer aspect to this game, and you remove that because you want to preserve that aspect of it, that makes zero sense. That's where things fall apart for me. Is I'm just saying, I think I know. I think that's what their intent was. Just just to guard that personal experience. I understand the mentality behind it, but the mentality behind it only works for a single player experience. Right. Uh, Simple fact of matter: a better system for them to have done was. When you go and start a mission, right? So long as, you know, much like the Warframe uh, aspect, when when we yeah. when you start up a mission, you basically wait for a ready ready vote, right? Uh, yeah. If you're not an asshole, <laughs> uh, yeah. you wait for a ready vote and you go in. It should have kind of been handled the same way as that. As all right, I'm gonna I want to go in here and talk to this person. Like all right, ready up, and it puts you both in in the instance separately. You know, just like we have to do so manually now. Yeah. Right. It should have just been automatic. You go in and talk to your people and it puts me in that instance and I go talk to the people. Right. Yeah. And we're in the same while you're while you're completing the the objectives afterwards, you both get credit for it instead of you having to do it over and over again. Absolutely. Absolutely. We listeners, this isn't that portion of it's not exactly new in the in the original uh, release of Fallout 76. You would have to go. You would you would go and pick up quests. And you would each have to individually do the same quest, essentially. But you could do them at the same time. They weren't separate yeah. locations. They weren't done in separate sections or anything like if that. If your friend did it and you were off screwing around, you still got credit. You still got credit for it in a lot of ways. Some of them you had to do, like you had to go pick, like if it was a ticket or something like that, and you had to put it into the into the token machine, you would all individually have to do that. But yeah. if you were all in the same area, it didn't matter. Whereas this mission has you go and create a sign. You have to create it. You have to create a, a camp quote unquote, which can just be literally outside the door of the bar. We found out, but yeah, that's what Shannon did, <laughs> but you, but you all had to do that. Listeners. So imagine like leaving that instance and all in, and you have a, a team of three or a team of two or a team of four, and you all have to create signs just directly out in front. Like yeah, that, that, your seems, own base. that seems fucking ridiculous, doesn't it? Like that you're not just giving credit because your your team leader or somebody else creates one right there and you're basically following along with them. So that creates the instance of you're all individually having to do this. This looks insane and stupid. So I, I think and, I'm, I'm, I'm twice. And, and in our case, it would take twice as long because I wouldn't create, you know, for my for my uh, sign, I put and wouldn't put it in front of my camp that I already owned. I didn't want to move my camp. Right. And yeah, at the time, and, uh, you didn't want to move yours. <laughs> no, no. Although my, when I was getting lit up all the damn time. Yeah, um, that's why you had to. <laughs> and in all reality, I think uh, the the 
good mentality. I mean, unfortunate, but good mentality to approach this system with is for me, like, cause you know, I'm, I'm the furthest behind on any of the quest kind of stuff is to just approach it as a hired hand. Like I'm yeah. literally playing an NPC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm taking over, c- taking control over one of your companions, essentially. Yeah. Is how I'm kind of looking at it. When we play in yours, we'll have to read. We'll just have to redo everything again. So yeah. Yeah. Doubling, so it's doubling either or tripling everything up is, is the, that's the gripe that I have, but I oh, get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if I approach it with that mindset, I don't really care, but then again, I'm also level 82 yeah. level doesn't mean much of anything to me anymore. And there's not really going to be a whole lot of rewards that are going to mean a whole lot <laughs> at this yeah. point. So well, just the, the other thing is that the way that this is working out right now is that fallout 76 wastelanders is where fallout 76 should have been when it launched. Um, what I'm, what I'm saying is just like the, the quests, the world itself, like people being in it and stuff like that. That's really where fallout 76 should have been to begin with. Yeah. Was it done well? Is it worth coming back for? Is it handled well? Eh, it's still got bugs. It's still, it's still got a lot of problems. And uh, right now, listeners, we're still playing through it. We're still playing a lot more of the content, and we'll give you an update on what we think about it after we're done. But uh, right now, based off of where we're at, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up. We can't really recommend whether or not you should come back for it or not. If uh, you didn't like it to begin with then you're not going to like it now. If you liked it before and you left because of all the bugs and all that and everything, it might be worth trying out. Yeah, it's it, like you like you said, if you if you liked the game to begin with and you wanted more of a Fallout, actual Fallout flair to it, then yeah, I mean, it's yeah. probably worth coming back to, especially since it's included. It's no extra charge um, to to come back to it. Uh because that's one that's one big takeaway I do have from jumping back into it is that I appreciate the writing as you know, like yeah. the the Biv bot. All right. Fucking hilarious. Um, so I'm getting a lot of that comedic dialogue that I expect from a Fallout game. So I'm getting I'm getting better, better narrative to kind of follow. I mean, there's not a grand overarching story really still. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have these little bits of story told to you instead of just buried in terminals. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's nice to have the, the, the quests cause anytime you have objectives that you can meet, it automatically adds uh playable playability and longevity to the game. Yeah. You're like, all right, I have this, this, and this to do. I've got this, this, and this, you know? Um, so it's nice to have that instead of just the aimless wander that we kind of left at. Listeners, one of the things that you might remember is the fact that uh, when we played Fallout 76, like we had a massive love-hate relationship with it. Uh, oh, yeah. The thing, the thing that we loved, the things that we loved about Fallout 76 are still there. The exploration, the finding stuff, uh, the new random encounters are still interesting and still fun. But, uh, you know, it's still going to have some bugs in it. It's still not going to be perfect. Right now... I mean, I almost encountered something that felt, you know, game breaking and I'll go more into it uh, next week because we finally got it to work. But uh, it's you're going to have to you're really going to have to consider, do I really want to download the 62 gigabyte file again and play it? But uh, you really do have to be up for this experience in order for us to recommend you download it again, because otherwise we, we can't tell you we can't tell you 
that it will be worth it because everybody else who's sitting there saying it finally gives you the true fallout experience. It doesn't No, it does not give you the true fallout experience. The true fallout experience that we had, the last true fallout experience we had was fallout four. So if you want a true yeah. fallout experience, go to fallout four. If you want an even better experience than that, go play uh lost air, uh, new Vegas. Those were the better fallout experiences. If, if you're looking for a good co-op experience, uh, this is decent. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's truly good because the mechanics behind how quest progression works is off. It doesn't work. And Bethesda, if you ever listen to this, if anybody at Bethesda ever hears this, we want to point out that the way you can make this better is think of a co-op, think of other co-op experiences. Look at Diablo three borderlands borderlands does this exactly borderlands does the same thing. Look at other co-op experiences and think about how those play out and how yours should play out. If you ever want to make this more robust, if you want to make this, you know, take this further as for the fallout first, um, membership, does this justify that? (laughs) No, 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 Um, nothing, nothing can justify that to me unless, uh, it truly gives you a private world. Yeah. Uh, and I, I forget what I brought up yesterday about that, which would make it really, really good. Oh, being able to build anywhere yep. instead of just at your camp. That would actually make Fallout First kind of enticing. Yeah. If it was uh, your Fallout, own private world and you could build anywhere. Yeah, Fallout First would be enticing if it was our own private servers that we could have. And not the uh, the phony ones that they've told us that, they, that we have. And like you said, we could build anywhere, at least even just build more than one camp, two camps, yeah. three camps. Uh, that's kind of what I mean. It, you know, yeah. being able to, you know, set up your outposts wherever you like, you yeah. know, not, not just one central hub. Yep. That's where things kind of need to go. And because if you're here, if you guys ever hear this, um, we appreciate the strides that you're, that you're attempting to make, but you guys need to start talking to your gamers a little bit more. And when I say to your gamers, I'm not talking about in the forums. I'm not talking about asking, uh, you know, having open Q and A's. I think those are, I think those are anti-productive for you because I think people get focused on too many things of trying to show that you're liars or anything like that. I think that, that you need to really go to actual gamers, actual fans to test your game and to give you the feedback that you actually need the constructive feedback to make your game better and utilize it. Don't you know, just not just, and, and not just us saying, you know, you need to change your, you need to change your engine. We realize that's never going to happen at this point. <laughs> so we'll, we're, we're moving, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, we're moving on past that. We're not going to criticize your engine at this point until it completely breaks the game again. But I'm still the, holding in, out the tiniest glimmer of hope that maybe they changed it up for the next Elder Scrolls or their Starfield game. That would be tiny glimmer. (laughs) I would would really appreciate that. But you know, with fallout 76, we're, you know, we're going to tell you right now, Bethesda, we would be happy as a group here to test your game and to tell you, these are the things that need, you know, these are the things that need to fix, but you need to be open to hearing them. You need to be open to listening to the criticism and taking it as constructive criticism. We're not going to tell you it's shit. We're not going to say, you know, it on a completely professional standpoint, we can be absolutely honest without being cruel. And that's what I'm telling you right now is that you need to look at other co-ops. You need to look at other co-op experiences and model them on how, like, look at the models that they use for 
how story progression works with one player to the next. And another example of what we ran into with that was uh, when we escorted Shayna to that bandit camp up yeah. to the Northwest and she had the password and the, the say so to go inside and talk to the leader. She didn't yeah. have the level to do so, but she had the capability of getting access, not completely uh, alien to a fallout game by any means. You, you right. have to know how to say the right things or input the right codes to gain access anywhere. Uh, but the fact that we were following her lead and they immediately turned on the two of us. Yeah. Because uh, we weren't in the same because we were with her. the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's retarded. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely crazy. When you made this, you were, you were trying to bring back the, the fallout experience that everybody wanted, but you completely negated and, and forgot that you made a multiplayer game and that's what we ran into when we went behind that gate yeah when we went behind that gate Shayna had that password we didn't have her it didn't matter if she was team leader and we were following her the game just immediately said oh she's got the password oh these guys are fucking enemies and and they just started attacking us instead of it going oh this is a team they're progressing through the story which is the way it should have worked it should have worked where i've got the password these are my companions let these fuckers in not often did you ever have to in the entirety of the fallout series have to leave your companions behind in order to go in somewhere. Yeah. And even if it was a case where it was like a skill check and it was like, yeah, yeah. we can't, you can't bring this guy with you. You'd be like, Oh no, he comes with me or I don't go at all. And those, in those situations, if you had the, if you had the skill check for it, they would be like, okay, or no, it doesn't happen. And then you'd have to leave them. But yeah, no, I will say very often. Now, I will say, thankfully, Shayna didn't wind up getting uh, uh, aggro from us yeah. killing the guards inside the compound while she was inside the instance talking yeah. to the lead. So I'm glad that wasn't the case. Yeah, that I haven't even really sucked. <laughs> it's just kind of a like, it's really strange how they handled it. Um, it's almost like they didn't really know, like they, they implemented, implemented it like it was a regular Fallout game and then went... Oh, wait, we have multiplayer. Well, just throw it in anyways. And I'm not saying listeners that happened. I'm not saying that, you know, it's just that's how it feels when you're playing it. And it's kind of odd seeing the amount of articles that completely forget that, like completely ignore it. It's almost like everyone who's writing the articles isn't playing with other people. They're playing it by themselves, which if you're playing it by yourself or you just started over with the game, this all makes sense. (laughs) No joke, right. listeners. When you when you if you started over like Shayna did, and she started like when she started the game over and started going through the processes of it, everything for this DLC feels like it's like it's set up for a single player experience with only one person who just became new to the game. Yeah. So it's really Which, odd. For if the you're looking, who are going? If you're looking what? for a single player Fallout experience, uh, and you're thinking this is the answer now, no. That don't don't go into this expecting okay now I've got a single player campaign don't do that because it's still very much a multiplayer yeah game. it's 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 not on the same level it just it it can't compare you know that's why we're saying listeners like if you've played this before and it wasn't your bag if Fallout seventy six wasn't your bag the first time this is not going to bring you back do I see Fallout seventy six continue to expand like this yes if Fallout first uh, is successful. Because I don't see I don't see the possibility of them 
being able to continue to do this and do free updates if Fallout first doesn't, you know, doesn't make them money. And part of that is the reason why is because they, they spend a lot of money on uh, voice talent and stuff like that for Fallout 76 uh, Wastelanders. And given the fact of the, a lot of the amount of money and uh, effort that has gone into the original Fallout 76 to try and fix it and the amount of problems that they had, they, that money was, you know, basically that game was just draining money which is why they came out with Fallout first. So I totally understand that I understand the subscription thing and why they needed to ask for it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But I could definitely see the Fallout first subscription either going away or dropping in price or still kind of continuing, but they're going to have to charge for the next DLC if you're not a Fallout first member. Right. Yeah, I don't know. So, that, that that price point they set for Fallout first was fucking ridiculous in my opinion dollars a year yeah yeah I, that's why i said like i could see the next big dlc drop for it being a 60 dollar want from them or saying right. or it's in you know or if you're a fallout first member it's included for free which means it's not really free so uh listeners crisis the benchmark making game the game that literally created the saying of yeah but can it run crisis <laughs> the game that made me get back into pc gaming because the idea of having like how you had to build a pc specifically for a game that was so high end that almost nothing could run it was just crazy and that game is coming back crisis is being remastered um, a lot of people were hoping for a sequel, a new crisis game. Can't say I blame them. Uh, I enjoy the series and I actually wouldn't mind seeing another one, but I was, I'm really keen to see how crisis, the original crisis would look with today's technology and today's graphics, especially with the hyper threading capabilities that we have today. The fact that we can have multiple threads or games that run on multiple threads today compared to the original Crisis, which only ran on a single thread, which is why you had to have a monster of a CPU in order to run a single th- in order to run single threads. And it had to be able to push a shit ton of information in order for that game to work. It's one of the reasons why the game was kind of criticized because it was kind of unoptimized for that. Um, it required ridiculous amounts of power from a, from a CPU, ridiculous, amount, ridiculous amounts of power from a GPU, and... It's why people sat there for years going, yeah, but can it run crisis? And that was a joke for a long freaking time. And when it finally came to consoles, it had to be toned down quite a lot. So the consoles, ver- the console version that most people got to experience is was nothing close to what you got on PC. PC was revolutionary for the time. In fact, there were things in crisis that still weren't implemented in video games today. <laughs> and crisis could still do back then. Did it do it well? Well, most PCs couldn't run it, so no. <laughs> but it was still in there. And I really am looking forward to seeing what this next remaster is going to look like, especially since it's going to be running on the newest CryEngine, which is much more streamlined, much better for newer equipment, and also implements new forms of ray tracing, which is not going to be, I want to point out, listeners, that's not probably going to be available on the PS4 and the Xbox One. Uh, sorry. It's just those systems, even the, even the high end versions other than the pro and the X are not high enough in order to implement the ray tracing capabilities of that engine. I should say it's not, they're not high enough in order to do it well. So we will probably see, uh, a toned down version 
on the on the consoles, but PCs are going to be getting are going to be getting this as well, and that's going to be killer. It's going to really show off what the next gen can do, and I would not be surprised if we see a next gen update come out when the PS5 runs or the PS5 drops and the Xbox Series X drops. So, I I think it's going to look probably free, freaking phenomenal. If you haven't seen the Crytek, uh, the new CryEngine demos that have shown off their ray tracing engine, the uh, they have a jungle environment that they show off with it which is believed to be from the now from the new crisis. If you haven't seen that, it is phenomenal looking. This will be one of those things where it's, is it going to bring back the, you know, some of you might be thinking, is it going to bring back the whole can it run crisis question? No. Uh, And the nice, and that's, that's a good thing because since the new engine is so well-made and so well-refined, that means the experience should be a lot better overall. I mean, to the point where they're actually bringing this into the Nintendo Switch. That should tell you right there that things are going to be, should should be a lot easier. Now, will the Nintendo Switch run it at 60 FPS? Probably not. And it won't look as good as the consoles. It won't look good as, as good as the other consoles. It won't look good, as good as the PC, but it'll look good. It'll still look cool. And it'll probably run a hell of a lot better than the original Crisis ran on PS3 and Xbox 360. Right. So I'm looking forward to experiencing it again. I really liked that story. I'm hoping that this leads to a re-release of Crisis 2 and 3, or hell, even a release for consoles of Crisis Warhead. Uh, that was a a expansion that came out on the PC and never hit consoles, and it actually shows another part of the story for the first game. And hopefully, eventually, we'll get another crisis. So uh, it'd be nice to see that. That's only if EA can, you know, remove a certain part of themselves from another from a, from another part of themselves to to do that. But they would have to be able to make that decision since they own the IP. Like I said uh, before, before we started recording, Crisis yeah. Three was the only one I completely went through, and I I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't uh, continue through and just. Either bundle all of it together and be like, "Hey, here's here's Crisis Series Remastered." Yeah, right. Or uh, at least follow through and and also knock out two and three in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's it's cool. I like like a lot of people out there. I would have just rather seen a, a new one because, you know, for me, it feels like Crisis Three wasn't all that terribly long ago. I know it was, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I'd rather just see more uh, from the series. That's fair. Um, I always felt like with Crisis Three that they had told the story that they went out to tell, and that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, I get that. Listeners, not to say like the ending's you know perfect or anything like that. It's just I think that's just the story they went out to tell. But you know, as as with any story, you can go off on a different tangent, you know, different perspectives, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Now, if we could just get them to remaster Mass Effect, the Mass Effect trilogy and abandon andromeda <laughs> here's the thing like if they if bioware comes back and says that they're making another mass effect which i think they actually are are you willing to give them another chance for that uh, yeah <laughs> that's that's about the response i was expecting yeah um i'm like, in the same I, group I, yeah i absolutely love you know the mass effect series minus andromeda i enjoyed andromeda for what it was but yeah it was a major fucking letdown yeah. in, in all reality. Um, and to hear people defend Andromeda is just fucking bewildering. 
every single time I see it. Anyone who um, anyone I like, I feel like anyone who defends it is either a super fan or didn't experience the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Or never experienced Mass Effect one, two and three. Um, it's a really tough call because I love that IP and I, 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 I love that universe. Yeah. But, you know, especially if they're going to branch it off of Andromeda, I just I don't really have much interest in all reality. Yeah. Um, they didn't they didn't set know, up enough the, of a story and enough of a. Uh, I don't know. Enough intrigue for me to really care about what happens after Andromeda. Right. Do you, here's here's a, a similar question to do you trust them with another Dragon Age? No. You know, given their Andromeda. Yeah, I, I don't at all. Uh, listeners, I, I'm i being completely sincere in the fact that uh, after what happened with Mass Effect, I am not looking forward to Dragon Age at all, especially after they made the announcement that it's uh, Anthem with dragons. And I said, nope, immediately just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I will not give them money for a, what do they call it? Live service. Live games? service games. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, I won't give them money for a live service game. Not like that. Uh, and I, like, I don't even, shit, I don't even trust them with the, uh, you know, Anthem revamp that's supposed to be coming out. The Anthem revise they were supposed to get. And, uh, listeners like, it, uh, I, I see that's at that's the time I thought it was for me too. Yeah. I Just like, because I actually, I, I actually had a ton of fun with Anthem for yeah. what it was. And it, the gameplay was amazing, but, that's where it ended. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have no, I had no real, I had no real want to go back to uh fallout 76 listeners. I mean, you can even track it down through the podcast. I've said it a few times where I didn't think I was going to come back for the wastelanders at all, but I still, you know, I still did. I, I did it, you know, partially so that we could talk about it and also partially. So that you guys, you know, you listeners didn't have to play it if you didn't want to. So we'll probably end up doing the same thing for Anthem just because, uh, but yeah, Anthem, it has fun gameplay to it and it had some good things to it, but there was a lot of bad and there was a lot of things that didn't make sense. I mean, the fact that they, the fact that I've still seen, like I've, I've watched gameplay recently, they still don't have skill trees that are set up properly. They still don't have stat sheets that are set up correctly. So that, that stuff never, never has never gotten fixed. And unless that shit doesn't get fixed, if that shit doesn't get fixed by the revise, there is no reason to play it because no. everything with that, uh, with that stupid number, your power level number that has to do with your abilities. It has nothing to do with the weapons. The weapons literally don't mean anything. The, your guns fire from like one level to the next, they fire and give the exact same amount of damage to an enemy, regardless of the number that they're showing. Yeah. The, the power, the power number has the only thing it has to do with is how effective your abilities are. So all you're doing is playing the game to, to make sure that that number continues to go up, which is in the end kind of stupid. Like I'm playing this so that the only thing that goes up is this, but your weapons still yeah. do the same damage from one point to the next. Like, how, so how are they effective? How are the weapons effective? Yeah. You, don't, don't get me wrong. When pretty much every single frame that I, I, I frame <laughs> every <laughs> single uh, suit that I've used in, in that game, I more or less primarily use the abilities. Yeah. Like I don't, I didn't really use the weapons other than just filler in between abilities. Yeah. Uh, 
but that's just how I play. There's a lot of people that don't play like that. They actually enjoy the gunplay more over than uh, the powers. Um, yeah, I enjoy so mixing it up between it the two. A, yeah, and when you're having so, to use your your weapons in order to fill up the time and do damage while you're waiting for your abilities to recharge, you kind of sit there going, well, "All right, well, these need to do be more effective than they were." Yeah, it's I I, I still think Bioware is personally kind of dead in all reality with how how much uh, of their talent has jumped ship. Yeah. Um, um, it's it's just a husk of what it was. So, yeah they they really they really like everybody's talking like what's really funny is the amount of people who sit there and say oh this the studio has not really changed. Yes, they have. Anytime like anytime you have a massive amount of people who have gone in and out of the game, you have massive amounts of changeover. The company's no longer the same than that it was, and that's true for Bioware. Uh, Bioware, you know, evidently kept living off of this Bioware magic. And eventually that magic failed him. Well, no, it sounds to me like Bioware was living more off the reputation. It was living more off of the, the idea that everything will come together at the end, you know, at the last minute. And that's how some, that's somehow how they, how they made games for so long. If that was the case, then Jesus Christ, Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 are miracles. Right. But based off of what we saw as gamers, we saw a deterioration of a company that started when they were bought out by another company. So what's the actual story? Like, I would love to know, you know, if, if Drayson Schreier ever hears this, I would love to hear his, his take on it. And I would love to hear him or see him go in depth about it, about, about like, you know, was there ever actually a Bioware magic or is that just something that they pulled out of their ass? Was that something that came along after EA? Was that something that was always there? Oh, it'll eventually come together at the end. Or is this something that came to fruition after the amount of leadership that left? Yeah, I did that a lot with like high school papers and yeah, <laughs> when you were a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> but I never did that with work. <laughs> yeah, I never did that with work. Work was always you you know, you did it until you got it done. It wasn't one of those things where you just kind of screwed off and wait because if you did, then things didn't happen. So you can't uh, successfully bullshit a game. <laughs> And that's, that's the thing I don't understand with, uh, with, with what happens within the gaming industry of, you know, we hear about crunch and all that stuff. And it's, it's like, well, was, was there a point where they weren't doing anything? And if there was, why was that happening? And when you go back and you look at Bioware's history and you look at how Mass Effect Andromeda took, like what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda, they had a lot of leadership leave. And a lot of leadership that came in that didn't know where to go with the game, that literally was giving, you know, idea after idea after idea, and it was just changing. And then they left. (laughs) And then they left. So you had like a lot of people who were like, all right, well, I'm spinning my wheels and nothing's happening. And you guys keep insisting that that everything's going to come together, but I'm not really doing anything. And now I have, now I have to crunch. So it makes it, that kind of thing makes me wonder, like, is that what leads to crunch in the first place with a lot of other companies is the fact of, you know, you have too many ideas and you have too many people trying to steer the ship and not enough people where, who actually know this is where we're starting a, this is where we want to go. B, this is where we want to end C. This is where things have to end. You have to have a B and C and that's where it goes. Is that what leads to a lot of crunch or is crunch just because, you know, you end up trying to implement as many things as you can. And you really like, you really are trying to make a good product, but in the end you're, you're kind of pressed for time which is what I suspect from most companies. But I do think that there are some companies, I think Bioware kind of fell into that crack of, we had too many people who weren't able to do anything. 
you had all these cooks in the kitchen and too many chefs coming in and out, changing their minds. We should do this. We should do that. We should do this. I mean, shit, when you first hear about Mass Effect Andromeda and you hear that it wasn't originally on the Frostbite engine and they were told everything has to shift over to that. Wow. That sounds like a terrible idea. Because of all that crap, I look at, uh, you know, I look at Dragon Age and the next Dragon Age. And I'm like, oh, man, like Inquisition was decent. It wasn't great, but it was decent. It was a decent story. Yeah. It was fun. It was a better it was a better addition than Andromeda was to Mass Yeah, Effect. absolutely. Absolutely. In in all in all aspects. But because of Mass Effect Andromeda and because of Anthem, and as soon as they said that, yeah, we're looking at making it a uh, games as a service, a live service game, I was like, oh, man, no, I'm good. I'm out. That was instantaneous for me. And I'm sure there are other gamers out there who are huge Dragon Age fans that will buy it and give it a chance. But I know that there are a lot of gamers out there who are very much against the games, games as a service and live services, especially when it comes to RPGs. And they just said, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah instantaneously so if it comes out and they say it's not a games as a service then maybe it's just one of those things you won't you won't know until something actually uh, happens with it yeah <laughs> uh anything else going on this week you 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 uh brought it up in in chat earlier uh serenity forge is uh publishing oh, yeah. the new cyanide and happiness um single player game yep is freak freak apocalypse apocalypse that's what it is yeah looks entertaining i mean it's cyanide and happiness so i we love the hell out of their shit because it's just hilarious it'd be interesting to see how how it turns out and uh it's cool to hear that serenity forge is is the publisher behind it so yep i uh i saw cyanide and happiness and was like ah sweet cool they're playing they, they have a single player game coming out i'm looking forward to this and then i saw serenity forge and went sold <laughs> yep. so and uh, i'll probably be getting that that's coming out on nintendo switch and pc I thought it was coming to console too, but it's probably well. Yeah, it's probably right. coming to the, it's probably coming to uh, uh, Xbox and PS4 uh, later. But uh, <laughs> I, I say I say console like switches in a console. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll probably be getting that on the Nintendo Switch. So uh, other good news: uh, Psych Two has a release date. So they came out with a little teaser trailer. Really looking forward to that. Um, it looks like, uh, if I remember correctly, I want to say, I want to say July, end of July, July 25th, yes, I believe either. was the release looking forward to that. Uh, ideally, you know, all this mess would be blown over and I'll go out and see the guys and watch it with them. Yeah. But, uh, it's, I'm going to say that's probably unlikely and, uh, we'll just be watching it online together. And that's, uh, <laughs> speaking of the whole mess, not probably blowing over by then. People need to stop being surprised when conferences are getting canceled. Right. SDCC got canceled. Gamescom uh, got canceled. You you had to have seen this coming. Yeah. Right. Um, Uh, Listeners, (laughs) to be honest, I like I I was telling the guys this. I thought they had already announced that SDCC had been canceled. I thought that, too. And uh, (laughs) I think we had actually mentioned on the podcast at one point. And we were at the time we were probably wrong. Uh, we we, We were wrong until they officially announced it. Um, but yeah, they, they canceled it. It was something we expected. Like we just associated the fact that like, yeah, everything else has been canceled. I mean, they've, they've literally canceled uh, conferences as far out as, as September uh, for some places. So I would imagine it's, it's, it shouldn't be really surprising 
for anyone yeah, don't, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, don't don't expect anything to be on schedule for pretty much the rest of the year. Yeah, and if you're in the camp of things have to go to normal or go back to normal at some point, you're absolutely right. Things have to go back to normal at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the only way the economy is going to recover. Yeah, it's the only way anyone's going to recover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as as you know, more and more information comes out, and more and more things are being said. I mean, you know, this this whole situation is kind of a. It's not exactly new, but it is. Uh, it's new for our. Gen- I th- I think mostly for our generation. Uh, yeah. The nation having to deal with things like this is people are very taken back. Like they, they feel like, Oh, well, you know, if we're so great as a, as a country, we should be able to defeat this really easy. It's not how it works. <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're, it's going to take time. <laughs> we're, we're able to, we're able to defeat it, but we, we have to take time. We have to actually put the resources behind it. We actually just have to, you know, we have to put the in- in intellect behind it as well as, as citizens. We have to be able to will- be willing to say, uh, I'm not going to go out and be stupid. I'm not going to go out and, you know, lick a carton of milk. I'm not going to go out and, uh, you know, buy a thousand pounds of toilet paper for no fucking reason. Like that, that's, if you still use common sense and still use intelligence, that's, that's how we'll eventually get past it. Anyways, listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Please go on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you still have a Twitter account, if you want to keep your Twitter account, that's fine. If you don't get rid of it, it's healthy for you. If you want to take a break, that's healthy for you as well. Take a break from all social media. Try to stay away from YouTube. Anything that's having to do with the news currently and the amount of misinformation out there is unbelievable, especially on Facebook. God. Yeah, I'm so close. I'm so close to uninstalling it from my phone. Like, Just because it's so on, honestly, damn infuriating. At this point, if you, if you see suddenly our Facebook page disappears and Twitter <laughs> and our Twitter page disappears... It is because we've lost it. We just, we, we can't do it anymore. We can't deal with this bullshit. We can't deal with the nonsense anymore. And we just said, we're going to screw it. We're going to take it down. We're going to keep doing the podcast. If anybody finds us great, that's awesome. If not, oh, well, we'll just have to deal with it. We'll have to live in the real world with the rest of the fucking people. So tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around because we really don't use our Facebook page and our, and our Twitter page for doing that. Don't ask us why. Yeah. We, we just don't like yeah. being on social media. We're old. What do you want? I, I occasionally try to put up a link for Podbean on our own Facebook page. Yeah. Just to give that extra little bit of accessibility, but I'm not religious about it. Yeah. <laughs> I forget to do it most of it, the time. We we are in the camp <laughs> that social media actually has, is killing society. So if you want to really know why, that's pretty much why. This is Vargo. And Miles. Keep on geeking on, and we're out. Well, I don't mean to piss you I might say So when I try to shut my mouth They come out anyway So when I speak my mind That's when we connect Yeah, but that's not Politically correct Your head's so filled with thought you can't use your imagination Like a sky so filled with stars You can't find a constellation Everyone's so sensitive To any bad vibration You're so impressing While we're regressing I don't mean to piss you off Things I might say When I try to shut my mouth Come out anyway 
something I believe in more than my own insignificance. So why does everybody think my words can make a difference? I just don't have time to think of every social consequence. I just keep on talking and you keep uploading. And I don't need to piss you off. Things I might say. Yesterday 